Welcome to Unity of Tucson. When I was a child, yes, I'm going back that far, <laughs> there was a book that I wanted. I wanted this book so desperately, I put it on my Christmas wish list one year. And I was so delighted that one, one Christmas morning, I unwrapped this gift and there was this book that I was so wanting, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. <laughs> Darwin said, you're easily pleased. <laughs> I've always been someone who has loved language. I don't know if you know that about me. Um, <laughs> you've noticed. <laughs> and, and as I was thinking about this this morning, I thought to myself, what did I think I was going to, did I think I was going to sit down and read it cover to cover? I think I actually started. I thought, I'm going to start A. A. <laughs> I don't even know what I... So I, I, I started reading it. But one of the things that I started to do is as I would read something in a book that I didn't understand or a word that I didn't understand, I would go to my Merriam-Webster dictionary and I would open it up and I would read and under, try to understand the definition. And then I had a little red pen and I would put a dot next to that word that I had to look up. So then I would beat myself up if I had to go look it up again. No. <laughs> Just, um, <clears throat> there was a part of me that I thought, I, I think that there was a part of me that thought, I'm going to learn all the words. I'm working on it. Because <laughs> I figured there was some benefit in knowing words. I think there was a bit, I, I, I think I've always been a little bit of a language junkie. I still am, clearly. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that I don't get words wrong sometimes. I've been known to do that up here in front of you when I say things that I don't really intend to say, but they come out and that happens. One of the things that I've come to discover though is this. This is going somewhere. I'll tell you why I'm talking about a dictionary in just a minute. Is that I, I constructed my life by using the dictionary in a prescriptive way. Now everybody's going, I wish I had a Merriam-Webster dictionary in front of me so I could understand what he means by prescriptive. <laughs> Here's what I mean by that. I thought that words were something that were established and unchangeable. That they were rooted in rules and I could learn those rules and I could allow myself to be intellectual about it all. And that the dictionary was the rule book and that was not to be questioned. Of course, that's not accurate, right? It's not accurate. The dictionary is not prescriptive, it is descriptive. It seeks to give an account of the relative characteristics of a word at a given point in time. And if you look at dictionaries through history, you will see that the meanings of words change. There's a great, there's a great word whose meaning has changed dramatically in our society. That word is literally. If I were to understand the word literally from a prescriptive point of view, I would describe it as, as, as 
referring to something that can only be strictly what it is. But we use the word literally in a descriptive way. And that word can be used for emphasis in a figurative way. So it literally means the opposite of what it says it means. (laughs) And you know what's happened? They've added that to the dictionary. So with this in mind, with this construct in mind, I would like to invite you to consider, it's a rhetorical question, but consider your answer to this question. How do you define God? Is it prescriptive? meaning that it is rigid and unchanging? Or is it descriptive, a way of giving an account of the relative characteristics? How do you define God? Now, I have a way of deepening in my own understanding of how I would define God, and it is by asking myself this question. How do I define myself? For too long, I think too many people have feared the word God. Anyone have that fear? Yeah, there's, there's a couple hands. And we fear the word God because of what we've been brought up to understand about God in a prescriptive way. Thinking it is something out there passing judgment on us. So yes, God has been prescriptive in that sense. But... What we claim here in the New Thought Movement, in unity and in religious science, is this. We are that very essence. We are that very power. And so if we are God, then to use the word God is simply a way of using it descriptively, for it describes the attributes at our core. We use language to try to describe the ineffable. And it is literally, and I do mean that, literally impossible. So I think the answer to the question, how do you define God, is found in the answer, how do I define myself? How do you define yourself? How do I describe myself? How do you describe yourself? That description for me is deepening into an understanding of the definition of God because each and every one of us is that God source energy, the essence of creation. And there's a part of this that also becomes a little bit of a challenge. And that is that the degree to which we define those attributes is the degree to which we limit ourselves in perception and expression. And we're really good at that. We're really good at that. And so we walk around going, I am, I am, I am. And that becomes a limitation in the way you experience and express your life until you decide to say something contrary to the I am statement. And that is something that we all have available. We all have the power of choice to be who we choose to be in this world. And there is no thing and no one out there who should ever have authority over you to tell you who you should be. 
The more we expand beyond the limitations of those understandings, the more freedom we experience in our lives. And the more we actively co-create our lives in the way that we would like. We come here on a Sunday, I believe, I don't know about you, but we come here on a Sunday, I believe, to hear a message about how our lives can be better. That's what I come here for. I'm listening to you. Can you please tell me how to make my life better? How would you like your life to be? Rhetorical. But if there's something that comes up for you, now perhaps consider for yourself, why isn't it like that already? And can you do something today to shift and turn it around? Here's a prescription that many of us have been living under. That as children, many of us were taught to not take up space. Many of us were taught to be seen, maybe, but definitely not heard. And I'm not going to ask for a, a show of hands to see how many people were brought up that way, but I can see from some of the smiles on the faces that people understand what I'm talking about. And many of us have carried this lesson into adulthood. And so many of us walk around feeling unworthy. What would happen if we commanded our own space and understood our inherent value simply by being? That there is no thing we have to do or accomplish or show to have inherent value. Just our presence here as an expression of the divine has value and is valuable. For some people, this idea that they adopted in childhood because it was what they were told has ingrained itself in neural pathways. You know, we're studying the book Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself uh, on Wednesday nights right now. And a lot of what that book is about is breaking down the established neural pathways through the practice of meditation so that we can embody something else, literally break those habits down and create new habits of being. It's not always easy, and I'm sorry that William isn't here because William, they're on vacation. William, I would always say, you know, William, this stuff is work until when? And he would say, it isn't. It's work until it isn't. That's what I'm talking about. When we break down the neural pathways that exist and establish new neural pathways, then what we once saw as work ceases to be work. It just becomes the new expression of our life. Many of us, however, have trod that path and have we established those neural pathways so deeply, it's like, you know, you, they sometimes talk about those neural pathways being like walking through the forest and you create a path through the forest. And as you walk that path multiple times, you've created a trail, an entrenched trail. Well, I think that there are some of us who have entrenched so, who are so entrenched that that trail has gotten so deep that now the ground level is above our sight. And we keep walking that path, and we keep walking that path, and we cannot see above the edges any longer. Yet to grow up and grow past those establishments, we may have to grab onto the side and look and say, oh, look, 
the breadth of potential that exists out there for me to express and experience. Oh, how do I get out of this rut? I don't know that I have an answer for you today. Except to say this, do the work. Do the spiritual work. And what you will find is that you will pull yourself out of that rut, I believe. You will pull yourself out of that rut and you will establish a new path. And it is absolutely okay to ask for support because there may be somebody on the side of that rut who is saying, I'm here to give you a hand, let me help you. And that is absolutely valuable. So to grow up, we may need to hoist ourselves out of that rut, that rut we get ourselves in, that I am diagnosis of I am unworthy. Just keep in mind, anything that follows I am that is rooted in belief becomes the construct of your life. So if you are sitting here with a consciousness of I am unworthy, I invite you to consider something else because I see nothing but people who are valuable and worthy and magnificent. Anything that follows I am can become prescriptive rather than descriptive. That prescription, ultimately, what it does is it aligns the self with the external circumstances, and we start to find all of the things that support that prescription in our life. What do I mean by that? I mean that if I say I am unworthy, all I will notice are all the things that support that sense of unworthiness. And that's how we continue to dig that trench and dig that trench. And so the work is to say, I refute that. I know that I have value. I know that I am worthy. And begin to believe it. Because just saying it isn't enough. It is about an embodiment to such a degree that as we embody, then we begin to see the world reflected back to us that supports that state of mind. That's New Thought 101. That is fundamentally what we are inviting everyone to do all the time, is to give up the notion of what was so that we can live in the promise of what will be and do it right here in this moment. I feel like we're seeing a lot of prescriptive consciousness in the world right now. Which is why that song to me is so important. Because very, saying the very phrase, we can be kind, implies on some level that we're not. And that it is something to strive for. I say let us discontinue striving for that and adopt that right here and right now. And approach this world, approach this life, approach the expression and experience with every encounter we have from the point of view of kindness only. We state our mission statement as love only. Forgive everything and remember who you are. This is not something to be taken lightheartedly. It is something that I invite us all to consider as a descriptive potential that is rooted in the here and now. 
when we let the world prescribe our good, and we can do that very easily by watching the news and determining that there's something of value to be seen in all the bad news. Um, I mentioned in class this week that I have removed TikTok from my phone because, frankly, in my For You page, all I see are all the ways people are expressing their anger about what's happening. That's the construct I am in. And what I started to realize is that I was becoming reflective in my own life, an expression of that anger. And I started getting angry. And the more I got angry, the more I felt helpless. And the more I felt helpless, the less I thought I could do to shift. Well, it is not about shifting that out there. It is about shifting that which is right here. And as I have let go of involving myself with those messages and deciding that I have value, I am changing my expression and experience of this thing called life. That is the work. Gosh, I hate that it's work, don't you? (laughs) Until it's not. (laughs) So here's the thing. When we let the world prescribe our good, we are living in constant reaction as opposed to choosing to describe our good and living in proaction. Which side of that equation do you choose to be on today? The pro side. Yes, Mary's. Yes, Mary. You describe your good, and what you will see is the experience of good. You reflect on what is bad, and you will experience that. And that pro action, here's the thing that pro action requires sacrifice. What? Yes, I'm going to tell you that you have something to sacrifice in pro-action. You ready? You have to sacrifice a sense of limitation. You have to sacrifice feelings of unworthiness. You have to sacrifice a sense of scarcity. You have to sacrifice anything that is out of alignment with the core truth that is this. You are magnificent. Are you ready to do that today? What is the truth? The truth is that we are worthy just because we exist. Why would we be here otherwise? We matter. You matter. I matter. Because we are here. We exist. If we had been brought up being told that, imagine what a different world this would be. If that had been the case, growing up wouldn't have been so hard to do. But we can grow up now. There is nothing that says that we are relegated to live based on the constructs of our past. And so if you're ready to grow up, I invite you to grow up with me by acknowledging kindness at the core, love only, forgiving everything, and remembering who we are. This is what we can remember in every moment. We are the fullness of pure love expressed right here and right now. Will you make that decision with me? That despite the title of my message today, which is growing up is hard to do, growing up isn't hard to do. We just have to make the decision to do it, to let go of all of those things that we keep dragging with us. I do an experiment sometimes with people that I engage in counseling sessions because oftentimes what happens in counseling sessions is people start talking about their stuff which is fine. I want you to be able to express all the stuff. And then what I often do is we have this very large um, Bible 
in the prayer room, and I will sometimes go and I will get that Bible, and I will bring it, and I will have the person hold it. And I say, you have to hold it in your arms, and you have to hold it out here in front of you. Now tell your story. (laughs) And imagine that that Bible is your story. And as you tell that story, and as you hold it out here, oh, what happens? You can imagine what happens, right? It gets heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier until you have fatigued yourself to such a degree that you can no longer hold it up. And so, how do you move past the story? Put it down. Simple, not always easy. I I acknowledge it is not always easy. But it is the work that we are here to do, to set aside that which has been, to engage what can be. So growing up doesn't have to be hard to do. Absolutely not. Letting go of the grip of any past ideal, any past idea, any past construct, and opening up to the truth of who you are, that is growing up. So today, let go of those self-prescribed limitations, define a new description of the self rooted in the constructive attributes of love, light, life, peace, power, beauty, joy, and infinite magnificence, and know that in that you are worthy. Namaste. On to the homework. <laughs> Those of you who are new to our community, I offer homework every week as a way of putting into practice the principles we teach. So I would like you this week to do uh, a few things. First of all, consider something that you may be carrying into your present from your past. Consider something that you may be carrying from your past into your present moment. And through the power of understanding, we can learn. This month is all about the power of understanding. Through the power of understanding, we can learn. As you acknowledge what it is that you are carrying into your present moment from your past, activate your capacity to release the grip of that thing. Remind yourself, Your past is descriptive of what was, not prescriptive of what will be. Do the best you can with all that you have right where you are. Thank you, Teddy Roosevelt. (laughs) Be gentle with yourself in the process. Let yourself off the hook for things you may find. It's okay to be gentle with yourself. And create... I'm asking everyone to actively create a daily ritual to activate that work of letting go. That's the homework. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.